everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today we have a grab bag for you. That's right. Uh, something I have not been able to do in such a long time. Uh, for those of you that have been listening to me since the very beginning, you'll know that my show wasn't always one movie or one comic at a time. I used to do <laughs> random smatterings of everything depending on what I saw that week and uh, eventually obviously graduated to trying to just focus on one thing. But due to everything that's been happening over the last month, uh, I've had a lot of things on my plate and haven't been able to dedicate time to just one, uh, which lets me do this, which is awesome. So part of that being I was just on my anniversary trip with my wife to Kauai, Hawaii, which I've never been to before, and oh my gosh, it was amazing. So I know we talk comics and cinema on here, guys, but if I can give you some travel advice, go to Kauai, uh, or Kauai, as uh, they call it there. But uh, while I was there, we got to watch a couple of shows. I, I always cherish traveling, not just for what I get to do during the trip, but also for all of the things I get to catch up on. Um, my, one of my favorite things about traveling is that I, all the comics I get to read, the shows I get to watch, and I also usually will bring a book or two with me uh, to try and read those as well. Uh, so I'm going to kind of just dive into what's been going on over the last uh, few weeks. And I know that I think the title of this is going to speak for itself in that I really want to talk about Dune, uh, which I just saw uh, last night. And uh, it's now my number one movie of the year. Uh, and we'll dive into that. We'll get into it because there's a couple of other things to go over first. Uh, the first of which was I did get a chance to see the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, uh, 007. I believe it's the 25th film uh, directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who, if any of you are familiar, uh, also directed True Detective. And uh, this movie was amazing, starring Daniel Craig. Anna DeArmas was in it. Uh, not a lot, but she stole the show, in my opinion. Rami Malek was fine. Um, I kind of liked him. He, was, he, he creeps me out anyway a little bit, so this was a perfect role for him, I think. And then I believe her name is pronounced Leigh Sado. And uh, as the sort of love interest, I'll tell you this much, guys. If you haven't seen this movie yet, you're on the fence, go see it. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Just an incredible film. And a perfect capstone to James Bond and his legacy. Uh, I won't mention any spoilers in here other than to say in my... Per Actually, you know what? We are going to do spoilers because that's what the show is all about. So spoilers ahead for uh, No Time to Die. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. But obviously, Lashana Lynch is in this movie and is amazing. And she is in this movie as 007. So, in my personal opinion, this movie, I feel like, is setting up her to be the new James Bond. Obviously, they're not going to call her James Bond. She has her own name. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but she was great. She Her action was phenomenal. She had some great performance pieces in there, too, uh, kind of one-upping James Bond as he went. And I think that's awesome. I mean, a lot of people were fan-casting uh, Idris Ilba. Or uh, what was the other one? Tom Hiddleston, I think I heard as well, which is all, all well and good. But if they are choosing to go with Lashana Lynch as the next 007, which technically they already did it in this movie. She is 007. I think that's perfect. I think that's a great decision for them to make. And I'm really excited to see where they go next with this because it truly does cap James Bond. No cap. He dies at the end. And it uh, is a beautiful death. 
Uh, he dies very well, in my opinion. And even though I could argue that the... Not the way he dies, but just the reason why is something that it's like, you know, you could totally write as being avoidable, but they make it so that it's unavoidable. And in this case, as I was watching it, you know, my heart's starting to race a little bit. I was like, no, they're not actually going to do this, are they? And and they do. And I was like, you know what? I think that works out really well. And, and I think that sends a very strong message, not just for the James Bond franchise, but for Daniel Craig as well, because every other James Bond that's play or person that's played James Bond, there's just been this weird sort of multiverse issue, which again, some people may not have a problem with that because their headcanon is not as complicated as mine. But when you're looking at it, you got Sean Connery as James Bond. Oh, Timothy Dalton as James Bond. Oh, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. Well, when Daniel Craig was James Bond, now he's, he's done. So there should, in my opinion, there shouldn't be another James Bond. He is James Bond. Now that he's gone, we can have a new person with a different name, still 007, still follow, have these great, I like to think of these movies as like British espionage films, and I'm totally down for that. So with that in mind, um, like I said, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I will say, uh, like I said earlier, if you're planning to go see it, watch Spectre first. And if you've got the time, watch all of them. Watch the from Casino Royale through Spectre because there's a lot of things uh, in, in the best way, right? The movie honors the other films really well, especially Spectre. And Spectre is my least favorite of the James Bonds. I mean, it's funny. I never got a chance to, I, I wasn't planning on doing a James Bond episode anyway, but my, for anyone curious, my James Bond order is, my favorite James Bond is Casino Royale, and then right under that is Skyfall, and then under that is No Time to Die, under that I think is Quantum of Solace, and then Spectre, or it might be flip-flopped, I'd have to watch them, but I, I still enjoy all of them, even Quantum of Solace, so... Uh, I just I hadn't seen Spectre since I saw it in theaters. So there I, I understood his love interest and I understood Blofeld being in there and all of that. But there was a piece of it for sure that would have been enhanced for me had I seen those movies again or rewatched them prior. Uh, which brings me to a, a funny uh, anecdote, I guess you could say, because uh, the next movie that I ended up seeing in theaters, which we have already talked about here on Comics and Cinema, was Halloween Kills. And I just wanted to mention, and I think I did mention it briefly uh, in that, uh, that my brother was teasing me that the only movies that I like to go see are lore movies. And so we were playing a fun game of like, guess the lore movie of, of pick a movie that doesn't have any lore related to it. What is the last original film that you saw that didn't have, you know, wasn't based on something else or is attached to other things, a sequel, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I actually had a really hard time coming up with it because I had just seen James Bond and now we were going to see Halloween Kills. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, but you know, the next movie's Dune. It was like, oh, based on a book. And that movie is very heavy with lore. Uh, so it's just, I don't know, it was a funny, a funny story because, uh, there's a lot of lore with James Bond, uh, for sure. With that said, though, we'll move on to the next one, which is um, kind of just Halloween in general. So we've still got a week. We're a week out from Halloween, uh, one of the best times of the year. Uh, though, like I said, I was traveling for the last week and some change. So I haven't had a lot of time to watch scary movies, except for before. And so what I decided to do this year was I, I rewatched the Conjuring movies. 
and also the Insidious movies uh, with my cousin who hadn't seen them. So I was like, oh, this is a perfect time because I've been I hadn't seen them in a while, and so I can confirm. And if if uh, you can hear me or I'm going in and out like this, my cats are going absolutely nuts. I let them into the recording studio. That's right. This is a I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Comics and Cinema is a pet friendly podcast. And I apologize if <clears throat> they disrupt me for any reason, uh, like they're doing right now. I'm having to talk. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So hopefully that's entertaining for you guys. If not, please let me know in the comments, and I will never let them in here again. You hear that, Nova? Okay. So uh, I, I'm just mentioning these Halloween movies to confirm that the Conjuring movies are absolute fire, and the Insidious movies are absolute fire. Uh, but I'd always been wondering, okay, do I like the first Conjuring more than the second or less? And I think I did confirm now that I do like the first Conjuring more, but they're both nines, in my opinion, uh, right up there with Insidious as well. Uh, rewatched Sinister 2, which uh, also still pretty scary, but certainly not as good. Uh, I did check out, if you guys haven't seen it, the If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power on uh, HBO Max from Halsey. It's a visual album, kind of like when uh, Beyonce did Black is King on Disney+. I would highly recommend checking it out, but I wasn't a big... F- I was not a big fan of it in the sense that I don't think I would ever watch it again. I'm really glad that I saw it. It was visually... It was like a visual masterpiece in that sense, I, but I only gave it like a 6 out of 10 because... Again, there's not really a story. There's no. It, it's it's like a music video, which is totally fine. It can be that, but I'll also say too, it's definitely uh, rated R for sure. So don't watch this with your sons or daughters. Uh, what else is on this list? I'm just scrolling through my ratings on IMDb. So my wife and I finished watching Only Murders in the Building, which is a Hulu original that has, I believe, it's either eight or ten episodes. Uh, highly recommend that show, especially if you're wanting something that's a lighter fare. Uh, it's very engaging, and you're all, you, it keeps you guessing until basically the very end. But there, the, the stakes aren't incredibly high in the film, and that's fine. I mean, it's a, it's a, like I said, a really fun show, and I think Steve Martin and Martin Short play off each other so well. I mean, they're they're absolute legends, and then you throw Selena Gomez in there, and it's like holy cow, they're they're a, the trio made in heaven. So I would highly recommend that show. I'm not going to spoil anything in those. I know how people are with their shows. Uh, but here's here's where we're going to get to my vacation. So as you guys are aware, Hawaii is quite a ways away. So I had to figure out something to watch on the plane. And people, many people, many of my listeners, I've been getting uh, loads and loads of fan mail from near and far saying, Alex, you've got to watch The Boys. And I said, say, well, I've never seen that show, uh, but I've heard a lot about it. And I'm not kidding about that. I usually kid, but I'm not. A lot of people have told me you need to watch The Boys. I kept saying, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I finally decided, okay, let's do it, which was perfect. I watched the first season on the flight there, and I watched the second season on the flight back. And I loved it. <laughs> so everyone was right. Thank you all for recommending this to me. I'm sorry that it took me so long to watch it, but The Boys is an incredible show. Uh, I'm bummed that I didn't watch it sooner, but I'm glad I'm on the train now, the A train, if you will. I'm trying to think of some of my highlights from this. I love how in the show, obviously, I'm sure the talking pieces have already been out there, but I just love the holding up a mirror to society piece and utilizing superheroes to hold up that mirror. And it's it's more apparent. 
obviously it's apparent in every episode, but super apparent in that final season, especially with Stormfront. Uh, and I won't spoil anything on the show for anyone who hasn't seen it, but <clears throat> you know, message me and we can talk about the show further. But I just loved the whole idea that everyone a lot of them are different political parties so you have like the stormfront is very far right uh you know almost into wrong territory for those of you that have seen it know exactly what i mean and uh homelander he feels like especially in that second season it was almost like seeing a conservative and a uh radical like a radical conservative combining forces there's this amazing bit where um he's getting trashed basically in the media and she helps him through uh his own her own social media campaign it was just really cool to see in that same vein of like a lot of mainstream not necessarily centrists but uh conservatives who are maybe not super not crazy but just you know they've got the actual conservative values of you know less government spending and all that sort of stuff but then they start to cling on to conspiracy theories cling on to the far far right those the QAnon type supporters and and uh you know white supremacist type people because that's what sells right though that's what the base that's what they think the base wants and and uh night uh, stormfront makes a really good point in the show she says something like i don't I don't need 50 million fans. I need 5 million angry fans. And I lo- I just and again, I'm not saying I loved it in that sense, but I just love the the juxtaposition of that to where things are at right now in America because you have such a shift since Donald Trump was in office of just embracing this far right mentality of anger and uh you know kind of basing things off of people's fears and utilizing that to further your agenda and it's just so fascinating that so you got this company Vought that uh is essentially you know uh Giancarlo Esposito the the bad guy or I guess the head of the the company says something like uh you know we are not a superhero company we are a pharmaceutical company and it's like they will do whatever they can to wriggle their way out of getting into trouble and homelander is the main problem in that but what i love too about this show is nobody is a good guy in the sorry i'm banging my heads on the table nobody is a good guy in this show the only person really that you could argue is good is starlight because she is i'm trying to think if there's anything she's done that's bad well by the end of the season two she's definitely not a great person but she's on the side of the angels, arguably, uh, as are the rest of the boys. But even them, they're all t- terrible people. Uh, and so, I, you know, as I was watching it and thinking it, I was like, you know, typically you look at the Avengers and say, oh, who's your favorite Avenger? OK, well, that's easy. You know, pick a person, right? Th- that's my favorite Avenger. But when you look at the seven, it's kind of hard to do that because they are all terrible people. And I, I would say the right answer is none of them should be your favorite. But if I had to pick, it would totally be Black Noir because he doesn't do enough in the show to be that problematic besides murdering people. And he's an amazing fighter. He kicks butt. He does whatever he wants, but he also listens to orders. So he's not like off the walls crazy like Homelander is. 
Um, but the, just the amount of revelations that are revealed in the show and the twists and turns that take place. I love Kimiko. Um, she was one of my favorites, her whole backstory. I actually started finding myself trying to learn a little bit more sign language because of her, which was really cool. And maybe that was because, again, I was on a five-hour flight and I only had a mask on, so the only way I could communicate with my wife was <laughs> through sign language. But uh, just an incredible show. And again, I, I, I thought was so interesting about this show was it's a superhero show. But when I think back to what my favorite parts or the parts that just stick out to me when I think back of it are all business related. And I find that so fascinating for this kind of show to be so focused on the optics of things of, oh, you can't say this because that's not your brand. And one of the biggest ones that I, I, I didn't even laugh at it, it just it sticks with me is when Homelander is talking to Stormfront in her trailer and he says something like, my my he's like i'm killing it i am so popular you want to know what my biggest like my biggest points are are uh 18 to 25 male 18 to 35 and then 25 to 55 and i was just like why why do you care like you're superman and i loved that i loved that they were so focused on their outward appearance to society which was funny because it really is americanized in that sense i feel like if there were superheroes today they would uh kind of act that way and i can't remember i feel like one person who um i had uh shared some things about the book that i wrote was like you need to watch the boys because you're gonna it's gonna remind you a bit of of your book and I was, as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, it's not at all like my book. <laughs> my book is not, you know, as this violent and bloody, but it does deal with a lot of real world things. And I was like, oh, that's so funny that it's doing the same thing, which is what I wanted. Like, that's part of the reason I wrote it was I wanted a, a book that deals with like what really happens in the real world. Because in the Marvel movies, it's real enough, but a lot of it is sugarcoated in that sense. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's nice to see a fresh take like this where everyone is, is culpable everyone has done something bad everyone's got a secret so if you haven't seen the boys it's available on amazon prime i would highly recommend catching up on it i think a third season has been confirmed but isn't set to come out until i don't know probably next year the next uh show that i wanted to talk about is midnight mass so uh, lisa and i watched this when uh, we were out in hawaii there was a day where we were just chilling in our room and uh I can't stop thinking about this show. It's so good. And I won't spoil anything. There's not a lot to spoil on here other than to say um, in the Mike Flanagan verse, I guess you could say, uh, this is right up there with Hill House. I would put it one step below Hill House. I don't know how anything could compare to Hill House. And this is very different from Hill House. But Midnight Mass is uh, it's another Mike Flanagan. It stars Kate Siegel, Zach Guilford, Kristen Lehman, Samantha Sloyan. And it's seven, It's only seven episodes. It's a mini-series, too, so you know by the end of it, you don't have to worry about any more seasons. It's really nice in that regard. Uh, but it's about a small town on an island that the pastor, a new pastor returns, um, a younger pastor than the one that, was, that left. And uh, there's just a lot of strange goings-on on this little island town. And it's a very religious town. They're all Catholic. 
And that hit home for me because I was raised in a Catholic household. I, I went to private school, a Catholic, but it's actually where I met my wife. Um, since have have faded from uh, the church. Sorry, mom. But uh, after this show, I was smiling in that sense because I was just like, just here, one more reason for for that sort of thing. Just it really goes into the argument that I always like making of blind faith, of following something just because it's written in the Bible that it's it's written this way and you inter you everyone interprets the Bible differently everyone interprets religion differently and a lot of people use religion for nefarious purposes or for you know radical purposes and that's not what religion is meant to be for and it's funny because at the same time uh, shout out to David uh, for recommending this book but uh, I read this book called Chariots of the Gods while I was in Hawaii as well. It was an amazing beach read about uh, ancient aliens. And I know if you guys uh, haven't listened or don't know, you need to check out. His, he has a podcast called Modern Gods. And a brand new podcast, so you'd be getting in while the getting is good. Uh, three episodes in, and this most recent episode that he talks about uh, is with Eternals. And how there might be some things in that movie, and I'm really looking forward to this. If so, around ancient aliens, because that's kind of what the Eternals are, right? They're they're these ancient beings, and just this really really strong argument around what if all of these religions, you know, they're all based on all these ancient old stories of visitors from afar, right? The gods come down in chariots and you know thunderbirds and and you you see it in all these other religions and it's like well what is a th what is a, th a thunderbird is it, is that an airplane maybe i mean you see these these uh, statues and and monoliths of what look to be astronauts and it's like are we at this point now in our society where we are traveling in space now right we we are at the point we're very close to probably going to mars and and staying at mars how long is it going to be until we can actually master interstellar space travel? And when you get to that level of conversation, you are getting to this point in humanity where uh, it, it's foreseeable that we are going to become someone else's religion of what if we show up on a planet where there is a primitive species there, very early humans we would look like gods to them. So what's not to say that that's what the, those old texts are about, the the Old Testament and all of the, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh, all of these things. What if they were just astronauts from other other planets? And it, it's it's funny when you say it that way or I'm saying it out loud that it's like it doesn't sound that crazy. The further in society that we go, the less crazy it sounds. And it's just so funny because, again, Midnight Mass really shows this idea that, you know, you cling to these words in in these books with without question for thousands of years and you, not once are you just stopped researching you stopped asking questions you should never stop asking questions and midnight mass does a really good job of showing you what happens if you just decide to go with something with blind faith and trust in the angels so to speak because somebody meets an angel and uh, it's not exactly an angel. That's all I'll say. There's no more spoilers other than to say, check that show out. You will not be disappointed. And honestly, if you're saying, I don't know about that, it's kind of kind of spooky. Uh, it's actually not that scary. It's more frightening in the sense of, again, these people that put so much faith in religion versus uh, other things that 
you know, it can happen. It could happen. It could happen to anybody. But you got to check it out. I won't reveal any more than that. Um, the, so the last bit we've now arrived to, and I guess before we get to Dune, I'll just say too, I did read some comics while I was on the trip, and I'd been really looking forward to doing so. I wanted to catch up on a few things because I don't know if any of you are familiar with omnibuses. They are very giant collected editions of comics, and that's what I've been getting into collecting-wise. Uh, I've stopped almost fully, and I'm very sad about it, uh, collecting actual comics because, uh, again, they take up a lot of space. I have them in the bags and boards, and I don't ever really open them, and that's not the point, right? You want to read them. And so uh, these collected editions are just absolutely gorgeous. And I, for, for some of them, though, I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to spend all of the money. I'd rather know for sure that I want to buy them. And so I've been reading a lot of older things on uh, Marvel Unlimited. So I read, I had a book on uh, Carnage that I was reading that was really cool. Uh, just some of the origins of Carnage, uh, which was kind of like what we talked about in our, our uh, Carnage, Let There Be Carnage episode, uh, which was cool. But I, I read The Death of Captain Stacy in the Spider-Man series, which was kind of sad. Really enjoyed the writing, though. It had a very 1960s vibe. Uh, and then I also finished Hawkeye, which we're going to talk about. Uh, Rob and I will talk about on the next uh, comic book episode. We still got to figure out when to record. May not be able to get it out by the end of this month. Just because, again, I am doing a lot of catch-up this week in uh, regards to me getting back from vacation. But trust me, we'll get it out there. Uh, it's really good. Uh, better than I remembered it being. Kate Bishop is a queen, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, and then as a secret preview, I suppose as well, I think our November series that we'll be talking about is going to be the Eternals. The Kieran Gillen and uh, Isad Ribic Eternals. Uh, or Ribich, I think is his name, but uh, the new one. And so hopefully by the time we're doing that at the end of November, the first six issues of that will have come out on Marvel Unlimited, so you can check that out. But without further ado, or without further ado, let's dive into this movie. I went into this film, and I, I had set my expectations sort of low. I am a huge Denis Villeneuve fan, and uh, that started with I probably Prisoners, but for sure with Arrival and Blade Runner. And there was one other movie, too, that he did. And I, I think that was right before uh, Arrival. That Oh, of course. Yeah, the, the movie that got me for him was Sicario. When I saw that, I was like, this movie is just... I mean, it was a mixture of him with uh, Johan Johansson on the score. And then he did Arrival, and it was like, this guy can't do wrong. Boom, boom, boom. These movies are just coming out. It was Sicario in 2015, Arrival in 2016, Blade Runner in 2017. Uh, and then I went back and watched Prisoners again because I didn't realize he did that movie. I watched Enemy, which was okay. Uh, but then one of his, his newer films, which I believe was Incendies, uh, which was a really, uh, I'm going to double check on that as I, I click on it. Um, oh yeah, no, no, I did, but I watched Incendies. That one's really good. Twins journey to the Middle East to discover their family history and fulfill their mother's last wishes. Uh, but there was a movie that he did. It was like one of his first films around, uh, oh, it was called Polytechnique. That is a movie about the 1989 Montreal Massacre. Because uh, I believe he's Canadian or I don't know what his exact spot in Canada, but uh, it was where it was essentially a school shooting. And that was a really tough movie to watch. It was really, really traumatizing. Um, but it was really good too. And I would recommend all of his movies. And so I'm a huge Denis fan. 
finding out that he was going to be doing Dune made me so happy because I've never read the book and I never really wanted to. I knew it was going to be a very confusing read and I knew if anyone could explain this story to me, it would be him. So that has been one of my most highly anticipated movies of the year and it did not disappoint. Uh, My brother and I went and saw it in theaters in Dolby last night and as I was sitting in the theater watching it, I was like, you know what? I don't know if there's going to be any 10s this year because I haven't had any yet on the list. And by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, this is a 10 out of 10. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And I know I've heard some reviews of people saying this film is confusing. And I suppose for some, excuse me, it could be. Uh, There's a lot that you kind of have to figure out on your own. And I had no issue with it. Uh, There was nothing about this movie that confused me. Uh, You figure it out as you go. There's certain spots where they explain something but don't die too deep, but it ends up popping up later in the movie. So I would say trust your gut and take this as an opportunity to truly experience cinema. When I was talking with my brother last night, I had mentioned that to him, and he said that's because a lot of people, this is his opinion, a lot of people are spoon-fed film right? A lot of movies that are very, uh, you know, the Netflix type of movie that's an hour and 30 minutes, hour 45, and it's got a a very easy three-act structure to follow. You know who the good guys are, you know who the bad guys are, all that stuff. This is the exact opposite of that kind of movie. This film is long in the best way. It did not feel as long as it was, and it ends in the worst spot. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I I wanted more, and obviously we're going to get more because uh, they've confirmed now that the sequel is going to be coming out, but everything about this was just absolute perfection, so I'm going to dive into a couple of the really great call-outs, including the score by Hans Zimmer. Uh, He absolutely crushed it, uh, I mean, there's not much more to say other than if you really, if you can go see it in Dolby, please go see it in Dolby. You will not be disappointed. Cinematography was done by Greg Frazier, who uh, <clears throat> also did the cinematography for Vice, Zero Dark Thirty, and Rogue One. So those of you Star Wars fans out there, it's a gorgeous film to look at. I, I also called out afterwards, the costumes are phenomenal. The makeup is phenomenal. And then the acting is equally incredible. I mean, this, in my opinion, this film, this is like what the apex of movies is supposed to be, where you're enthralled the entire time. Everything on screen is interesting. Every little detail is set to perfection. I mean, there are multiple scenes where I would stare at some random object on the screen and literally think, someone thought to put that there. And that is so cool. Uh, But not only that, you have an absolutely A-plus cast. Timothy Chalamet, I always call him Shamalamalamalama because I can never spell his last name. I thought he was phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I'm trying to think of what the first thing I saw him in was, but Call Me By Your Name was probably what it was. He's been in a couple of other things I've seen, but he's really grown on me over the years. At first, I thought he kind of looked like a snob, and now I just I want to see him in things. And then don't even get me started on um, such names as Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Josh Brolin, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Javier Bardem, Dave Bautista, Chang Chen, David Desmalkian, Charlotte Rampling, and uh, among many others. It just this movie felt lived in. I felt like I went to a desert planet for two and a half hours. 
and just got to live there and watch. Everything about it was perfect. The concept of religion in the show was phenomenal. Going back to our religion conversation, I mean, it took my breath away in multiple points in time. And uh, all I got to say is watch out for those worms. Uh, there's a funny bit too where uh, the uh, man, ugh, the witches were amazing. Stellan Skarsgård seriously knocked it out of the park as the the uh, ten foot tall, ten thousand pound man is what I'll call him. Uh, no further explanation needed unless you just go see the film. Uh, but not only that, if you are unable to go see it in theaters, uh, it's on HBO Max, so you can check it out there. Though I would really recommend it seeing in theaters because it is a movie meant for the big screen. In every way possible, you'll understand when I see it. So like I said, this has now become my top film of the year. I'm looking forward to the rest of this year, see if anything knocks it out. I think the only things that have a really good chance of doing so, and I hate even saying, actually, no, 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 this is fine, um, would be The Eternals and Spider-Man, but also French Dispatch, which just comes out this weekend. I'm planning on seeing that as well. Uh, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, so that movie has a good chance of uh, knocking this as well. But I'm not trying to do that. I I want all of my movies to hang out and and to mesh in the same spot. Uh, so we're gonna have uh, have fun with that, and I'm gonna enjoy it. But I think that's where I'm gonna wrap things up on this. Like I said, it's a little bit shorter. I just wanted to get something out there for you guys in case any of you are wondering or worrying about me. First off. I'm an adult. You do not need to worry about me. I'm fine. Second off, thank you so much for caring about me, and I really appreciate it, and I love the thoughts and prayers. So thank you so much for that. appreciate the fan mail and the checkups, uh, but we should be back to, uh, as you would say in Midnight Mass, we're going to be back to ordinary time probably starting next week. Uh, like I said, uh, we got to get a comic book episode out here in the next week or two. And then from there, uh, I can actually, I've got a little list here and maybe I'll take a little time to preview what we've got going for the rest of the year. So, um, not a lot left in this year, by the way, guys, um, for those of you that are, are big on year things, just remember, we've probably only got like eight weeks left of the year, maybe, maybe one or two more weeks. But uh, in November, I've got plans for, obviously, an Eternals episode where we will break down the Eternals. Uh, then uh, we're going to do a Disney Plus day. That'll be with Kevin once we have Disney pl- the Disney Plus day. We'll break down all of the things that happen on Disney Plus day. Uh, I'm planning on doing an episode honoring uh, Frankenstein from 1921, 1931. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's a huge, it's a 90-year anniversary, I believe, for Frankenstein. So I wanted to do that justice. I haven't seen that movie in a while. And if you remember, Dracula had its 90th anniversary at the beginning of this year. So I wanted to do that. Um, we've got our Eternals comic book episode. And then December. Oh, Alex, what what uh, what do you got going on for December? I know it's it's far away and in, in advance, but I'm going to be talking about Spider-Man: No Way Home certainly. Uh, but you know what? How, how do you fully appreciate Spider-Man: No Way Home without rewatching all of the other Spider-Man movies? So sorry, Stevie. We're talking about lore in December. Uh, plans could change. My favorite part about having a podcast is I can do whatever I want. But here's what I have planned. 
<clears throat> a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy episode. Uh, I have not seen those movies in years and years, so I'm going to rewatch those, talk about it. We'll see if my thoughts have changed on those films at all. And then I also want to do a Andrew Garfield Spider-Man episode too. So look forward to that. Uh, maybe one or two more, depending on what movies come out. And then, of course, after the year wraps at the beginning of January, as we do every year, we'll be having our top films, our top movies, and anything else that fits our fancy. So with that said, I'm Alex Klein. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Comics and Cinema, and we will see you at the movies. (laughs) 